So for those of you in the States, you know what Thanksgiving is. This is the Friday after Thanksgiving. For those of you not in the States, Thanksgiving is the big holiday where everybody eats like a crazy person because of the Native Americans or something. I'm not sure. The The, the history there is really dicey and complicated and problematic. Certainly to be said, uh, while most people eat turkey, we are a non-turkey family. We don't really find turkey to be interesting. So mostly we do pork, but the last two years we've done brisket, which is great and all. But to me, it's Thanksgiving is all about the stuffing, the stuffing which is, you know, sausage and bacon and nuts and fruit and celery and onions and all sorts of goodness and, you know, it's just deliciousness and I become my own self-serve human foie gras. They don't have to force feed me anything. They just point me, point me to the stuffing and I, I pretty much stuff it down my own gullet. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but I'm still full. <laughs> I'm so full. And I really only bring this up because, not because I want to think you to think about my gullet in any way, shape, or form. Enjoy that for those of you who like to run with this podcast. It feels like I'm torturing you, and maybe I am. But it's the holidays, right? We're entering that quiet period where hiring kind of drops to nothing, where you're just kind of closing out accounts and finishing up your work and closing things up and cleaning things out and, you know, just doing the little stupid stuff. Maybe you're doing a little budgeting and planning for next year, but really it's about this is the quiet period. Let's plan on a holiday party. Let's make sure it's not too crazy. Let's get home in time to shop for gifts as if we all don't shop online for most things these days. And, you know, right, it's quiet. So what can we be doing in this time to really maximize this quiet period, the holiday days with D-A-Z-E, where things get kind of chill and things where the the level of expectations and the level and the demands on our time are somewhat, if not significantly, diminished? How do we maximize that time? And that's what we're going to talk about today on today's podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So just so you're in the loop, doing a couple webinars the next couple weeks. The first one is on, let's see, November 28th. Oh man, that's like in a week. (laughs) These things sneak up on me. Uh, That is employer brand is for business, even yours. I'll make sure to have show notes and links for all that stuff. Uh, The next one is December 12th, and that is hiring is holistic and recruiting isn't. So there, there's some fun. If you're in Chicago, um, I'm going to be at Built World's Future Work Conference. Uh, I think that's uh, early December. I'll put links in show notes. And then I've got um, TMA Social Recruiting uh, Conference in January. And of course, I can't, you know, I can't forget to talk about Talent Brand Summit coming up in March. Early bird pricing, I believe, ends shortly. I'm going to be there definitely. I'm on the board, so definitely want to be on that one. So I highly recommend it. I had a blast last time. If you're you know, super into and you're a practitioner of employer brand type stuff, a definite don't miss. So that's what's going on. Uh, so let's talk about the quiet period. I got to close that out because that video is distracting. I'm making sure I'm keeping notes. Anyway. The quiet period, right? So all the recs drop to nothing. Only the most urgent, urgent hires are even still open. Everybody kind of just assumes nobody's looking for a job. And it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Everybody assumes no one's going to look for a job between Thanksgiving and Christmas or Thanksgiving and New Year's, and thus no one puts jobs out. And because no one puts jobs out, no one looks for jobs. 
Yeesh, it gets a little secular. Secular? Circular. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But it gets, it's quiet. And, you know, even if you're not a recruiter, it, things get quiet, right? What can you be doing? Everybody's more worried about the holiday party than they were, are about their glass door score at the moment. If nobody's looking for jobs, a diminished glass door score or a dimin- diminished amount of traffic which is to be almost to be expected, right? It's, it's chill. This is the time to chill. And so let's be fair. Most of our jobs are crazy panic running around like three chickens with their heads cut off who don't like each other, angry in a bag kind of level of panic and chaos and, and, and activity many times just for the sake of activity, right? How many people uh, have meetings and you're like, why am I in this meeting? Why, why was this not a three-paragraph email sent to 10 people? Why are we here? Um, as a, In my new role here as a consultant, one of the things I've noticed is, is very different about my life is that I have significantly fewer meetings and how much more productive that makes me and how much more I can get done in a day because of the number of meetings. And so, you know, just putting that out there, maybe fewer meetings, just maybe try just writing the email, just try to communicate a little bit in an appropriate manner. Anyway, things get quiet. And as an employer brand person, you don't get these opportunities very often, right? Many companies, you have a summer lull, but I think those are unusual, right? I don't, I can't think of any companies where the summer actually means a lull. Most companies, summer is when you get ready for fall or when you get ready or it's, it's intern season or you're trying to figure out how do you convert your interns into full-time employees or um, you know, you're getting ready for something. Everybody's always getting ready for something. This is one of the few times you can maybe not count on, but reasonably expect a week or two, perhaps even three or four, where you've got some free time on your hands. Now, your instinct, as was mine, as is mine, is to go to your long-running to-do list. I had a uh, <laughs> a piece of sticky whiteboard paper. Um, I got it on Amazon. It's like an eight by twelve kind of thing, and you just, we just like a big sticker you put right on your desk, and I could write notes to myself in a whiteboard, a uh, dry erase marker, and you know every two days I'm just wiping it and rewriting my list and checking off what I've done and what do I have to do today and what do I have to do this week and what do I have to do, you know what's important but not urgent that I need to eventually get to. And uh, the people who work with me knew how important I lived and died by that list. Um, I think AJ, hey AJ, have you heard me? If you're listening to these things, um, I, sometimes I wonder if she would even go and look at my, my whiteboard to say, what's he going to be up to today? Do I have to worry about his life today? Uh, I mean, is he going to be a pain in my butt or not? Uh, I don't think she did, but I think, you know, my whole life was on that to-do list. And so, you know, you want to just grind through that stuff. You want to focus on the stuff that makes the most sense. Now, what could you be doing to maximize your time? Here's my first lesson or my first piece of advice for whatever that's worth. Do less. Embrace this idea that there's time, that there's not a lot of immediate demands, that there's no, there are very, very few fires being happening in this time period. So you don't have to worry about this wreck or that wreck. You don't have to worry about this hire manager screaming at you. You don't have to worry about that, you know, vendor channel screaming at you, begging for money, begging for time, right? You can kind of have a little time. And when you have that little time, this is the time rather than focus on grinding through your to-do list like I used to do. Do the opposite. Find a single project 
that you know is important, that you know to be useful, that you know will probably bear fruit for months, if not years, in your efforts to change an employer brand, to support employer brand, to grow and facilitate and clarify that employer brand. I swear I don't have a thesaurus open in front of me. This just comes to me. You want to find that project, and it can be any project you want. Maybe it's the globalization of your blog. Maybe you finally figured out how do you get that plug-in to allow for translations on your blog so that you can extend into other countries and languages and be ready for it. You know it's going to happen, and you know if you had you know an hour or 10 or 20 to just focus on it you could knock that out it's just not important because the people who would be screaming at you to publish in spanish well they speak spanish and they're not yelling at you because you don't maybe don't understand spanish so well so it's not a big deal right it's not urgent it's important it's useful if you want to reach those audiences absolutely get in front of them that's just one idea next idea how do you very quickly start to put in place systems that elevate the scores and metrics that you actually pay attention to or more importantly elevate the metrics that your boss and your boss's boss pay attention to for example everybody's favorite glass door it's a go-to of mine i know they don't pay me i'm not saying they're the end-all be-all of, of employer brand however when most people think employer brand the first thing they think of from a metric standpoint is what's my glass door score and as we've talked about in the past glass door scores are not about a function of your company it's not a function of your culture it's a function of how good your recruiters are at finding matches and only hiring people who match people who leave because they're not good matches leave bad reviews people who stay because they are good matches and they found a good place leave good reviews consequently if you have a lot of good reviews your recruiters are doing a great job so glassdoor is a function of your recruiter scores however however you can still find ways of gaming the system and nudging it in the right direction, something that makes your boss feel good, like you're doing a good job. You've pushed it from a 3.5 to a 3.6. You know, any little bit helps, right? Put in place the process that says, okay, when someone gets promoted at 90 days higher, how do you automate the system so that those people get a, hey, glad you're here, glad you're making a difference, glad you're blah, blah, whatever. Just write the email and systematize it so those people are automatically getting the Hey, why don't you re review us on Glassdoor emails at the right time? Things like that. <laughs> People yell at you, hey, our Glassdoor score is, on, is, is bad. We have to go fix it. You go fix it by begging people to leave reviews, right? Whether it's the right time or not, the concept of leaving a system and putting a system in place that asks for those reviews at the right time so that you're not getting a 20 reviews today, but maybe getting one review every week, but you know that they're the right people and they're the right you're asking at the right time, so consequently, they're much more likely to leave four and five star reviews. That's going to be the tree that bears fruit. You want to be looking to build systems that do good work for you. You're always going to be at the mercy of fire engines and, and, and fires that you have to put out and things you have to do you know, immediately. How This is the time to think about how do you build systems that do the work for you. What are some other systems you can put in place? Well, you know, we've talked about job descriptions and job postings. Build a process. <laughs> if you locked yourself in a room for a couple of days or maybe even a week or two and said, I'm going to rewrite the top, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 job descriptions, the most important ones, and really think about it, and you start to, instead of, because right now when we write job descriptions or when we're involved in the job description process or the recruiters are, usually what happens is you have to write a job description, the job description for today. 
two days from now, someone will say, hey, can you write another job description? And it's like, oh, my brain is completely rebooted since then, like six times. Yeah, okay, I'll write your job description. And it turns out you wrote something completely different than the second time. And when you they come back to you in a week and they ask you to write another one, you'll write something completely. You'll be writing, it's like, buying, building matches as you need them instead of spending a couple of minutes and buying a book of matches so you have them as you need them. Because it turns out job descriptions should kind of align. And frankly, you could be reusing a lot of the structure and reusing a lot of the copy over and over and over again, except when we do it, there's a fire. And so you're just doing whatever is expedient to kind of get things done immediately instead of thinking, how would I approach this to really do it right? When I was at Groupon, one of the things I tried to instill, and this is me purely stealing from content marketing thinking, is if you think you only have to write one blog post or you think you only have to write one tweet, you're going to write the tweet, you're going to write the blog post, you're going to write the job posting, right? You're going to do the thing. If you think you have to write 50, you build a process because doing if it takes one hour to write one job description, it shouldn't take 20 hours to write 20. It should take five maybe four, right? The more you can you know, build the system, find the economy of scale of writing a bunch of these over and over again. And that's what I think you should do because you know you're going to need uh, new salespeople's roles. You know you're going to need new legal roles. You know you're going to need new HR roles. You know you're going to need development roles and data science roles. You know the roles you're going to need, even if they're not on fire today. Even if you wrote a completely decent one six months ago, review it and review it with the other job descriptions so that if someone's looking for a an accountant role, they're looking at the three different levels of accountant roles and they don't sound like three different companies. You want to make sure that everything aligns because they're not going to look at data science. They're going to look at the accountant type roles to understand what's this company all about and which one of these makes sense for me. I think I'm a senior accountant. What is? But I was in a small company. Am I still a senior accountant in a massive Fortune 1000 company or is it a director accountant or is it what, what is the process? What is the hierarchy? What does the titling mean? It's not parallel across companies. That doesn't really happen. So I go and look at a bunch. And if I look at a bunch, I very quickly get the opportunity to understand what the company is all about. And if they don't talk like they're all written from the same point of view, not necessarily the same voice, but from the same sense of what this company is, it's going to be chaotic and it's going to throw me and I'm not going to want to apply for those things. So take the time and make good job descriptions. Better yet, build a structure that you like build modular content you can use over and over again. Go look at the most popular, most needed job descriptions, fill them up, build a library, and share that library with recruiters. And then when the recruiters can, as they use them, they can say, oh, that's great, but you should probably throw in a line about this. That's great. Congratulations. You've built a living repository of the most painful things you've ever had to do. And guess what? You never have to do it again. Every time someone says, hey, can you write a job description or job posting? You just go, here's the repository. If you can't figure it out, it'll take me five minutes to copy one, paste it, make a quick tweak and pass it right back to you and you will be blown away. These are the things that bear fruit over and over and over again and allow you to create more free time down the road. There's a lot of examples of stuff you can do like this. I just hit a couple. I have, you know, I don't know you. I don't know your process. I don't know what, you know, employer brand works for you. You could be thinking about editorial calendars. You could be thinking about um, ad buys. You could be thinking about all sorts of stuff. But this is the time when you should stop what you're doing 
go get a drink, go get a coffee, go take a walk, take a smoke break if that's who you are, I don't care. Just take a moment and think, what is the most important thing? The thing that's going to help me down the road. Not the thing that's going to make me famous today. Not the thing that's going to make my boss impressed today. What's the thing that is going to grease the skids for all sorts of other projects down the road? Maybe now is the time that you say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find a decent camera or I'm going to go down to the video team and beg them to let me borrow a camera and I'm going to set up a confessional booth and when I say confessional booth I don't mean an actual box or an actual phone booth but I mean just here's a very simple backdrop and here's a camera and here's a light that makes whoever sits here look pretty okay and you know it doesn't have to be professional and just say hey everybody I want everybody to come in and answer two questions and I'm just going to record the lot of them. Just grind through it. So instead of creating a video, you're rec- creating a, just a, a, a library of raw materials, responses, um, concepts, ideas across all teams, across all levels, across all genders, across all ethnicities, across all sexualities, across all whatevers, so that you can say very quickly, I have a hundred responses to the question, why do I, you know, why do you love working here? Turns out it's Pride Week. Great, grab those three answers from someone who uh, talks about their sexuality and talks about how comfortable they feel and throw it up there. Talk about, go find the people who are African American and black and talk about them during, in February. Go find the people who are, uh, go find women and talk about them in, was it March or April, that, you know, International Women's Month. Go find, hey, it turns out you've got a big push for data scientists. Go find the five responses by data scientists. Stitch them together in iMovie, takes 20 seconds, and throw up a quick credit at the end. And then finally, bam, that's what you throw to everybody and say, hey, share this to data scientists, get data scientists excited about this company, and then you get to show them this wonderful job posting, which by the way, I just wrote because I just spent time building a library of job postings. See how this works? You can go back to that well of of video content over and over and over again. Each one makes a perfect Facebook post or a perfect tweet. Five of them make a great LinkedIn post. Ten of them make a great Glassdoor post. See what I'm doing? If you break the one day out and say, just today's the day, I'm just going to walk around the office and beg people for five minutes to stand in front of my f- stupid camera and just answer my two or three stupid questions so I can collect that information. It's not urgent, but you know, you probably have 10 other ways you could use that video content that I can't think of. You would love, you would kill for that content. Well, guess what? This is the week. This is when you do that stuff, right? Maybe this is the week you decide what's the right dashboard template that does a great job highlighting the wins, showcasing how we're making an impact to the business, spoiler, use dollar signs, and that you can use over and over again. So you're not remaking your dashboard every month or every week or however often you do it, or you can do it with some sort of sense of intentionality instead of, oh shit, my boss asked for some numbers. Here's a, here's the dashboard I use every once in a while. Yeah, let's just fill it with most common, most popular numbers or the most recent numbers and bam, there you go. Is it telling the story you want? You don't have time to do that. Oh, wait. This week you do. That's the stuff. And then once you nail down a format, you just turn into a process where your calendar kind of bings, you know, breaks an, uh, or bakes an hour out 
on the last Thursday of every month and you go and you collect the data and you stick it in there and you write a great email talking about the highlights and the big wins and the impacts you've made or the intentions of what you're planning on doing next, attach that dashboard to it and congratulations now. You're marketing your department, your team, your industry, your concept of what your, your impact to the company. Congratulations. You say you're a marketer, be a marketer, right? So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. This is the quiet period. This is the best. And so many of us just fritter away the time. They fritter away the, the opportunity to do something. We just go, well, ooh, I've got a little, little extra time. I'm going to grind a little faster. Or I'm going to grind and go home at 3.30 or 4 or whatever. This is the time to say, stop grinding. This is the time to stop and give thanks. This is the time and stop and think about big picture. This is the time to think about what happens next year and what you will be planning on doing and how can you be building systems that facilitate winning next year. That's what the quiet period is all about. Last story, I think I may have touched on this once, but I, a million years ago, I worked for Wisconsin Alumni Association. Uh, that is the University of Wisconsin at Madison's alumni system. Don't ask me how I got there. I didn't go to school there. Blah, blah, blah. Moved to Madison for a girl. Didn't work out. Yada, yada, yada. Not important. Anyway, I'm working for the Alumni Association and of all the the weird, and this is where some of my kind of love-hate relationship with nonprofits comes from. I've done other nonprofits, but this one was the one where you're like, yeah, this is exactly the best and the worst of nonprofits. This is everything a nonprofit really is. And years later, my wife went to work for a nonprofit in Chicago, and she would come home to tell me these stories, and I'd be like, I know that story. That happened to me, but the names and the companies were different, but that story happens every single time. Oh my goodness, this is, you know, just, <laughs> this is threaded through how nonprofits work. Anyway, one of the things I liked that they did is they picked a day on the first week of January and say there will be no business being done on the first week of January. We will order pizza. You will wear your, you know, your schlubby sweats, um, your, your pullovers and your hoodies and whatever, and you will clean the office top to bottom. That means cleaning your desktop on your computer, cleaning out the hard drive, old files you thought you'd need one day, clean them out. Go through every folder, go through every desk drawer, go through every book, go through every bit of swag that you've collected. How many lanyards does any human being need, frankly? You just collect all that stuff, throw out what you don't need, clean what you don't need. This is your time to take one of those uh, wet wipes and kill all the germs that might be on your laptop or might be on your keyboard or might be on your mouse or make sure your chair is clean. This is the time to think, I'm going to do a quick vacuuming of my cubicle space and the hallway and let's go through the refrigerator with a fine tooth comb and let's go through and let's go through and let's go through. The, the office shut down and everybody knew you did not do any work. You cleaned and you cleaned together. You found ways of making things better. <laughs> One of the funny things is, is that 
you ex you were expected to all the stuff that you no longer wanted you didn't just toss unless it was garbage but books lanyards t-shirts you collected at, at events and let's be fair at an alumni association t-shirts were rampant um just the, the, those those file folder organizers that you think you're going to use and you use once and then it just sits there and it's got the one piece of paper in it and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get around to actually organizing my life in a file folder kind of system like this. So you get rid of the organizer. Maybe someone else wants an organizer. And it turns out rather than ordering from uh, office supply systems every two weeks, you could say just keep recycling the office material that people think they're going to use but they never get around to. I thought that was great. You just said, look, let's clean up our stuff. Let's take a day, kickstart the year off the right way from a clean sheet of paper, as, as neat and organized as you can be, knowing that the, the vagaries of, of, the, of the year, of the day-to-day -day are going to just be a tsunami of just stuff in your life. Let's at least start from a clean sheet of paper. I thought that was great. This is your chance to do the exact same thing. Find a way of building a system that makes your life a little easier every single day. I don't know what it is, but you can come up with something. There's chances are if you look at your to-do list, there is at least one, if not two or three projects that you know if you could knock out over a couple of days, and let's be fair, most projects only need a couple of just dedicated days, you would just be so much happier. You would be making an impact. It would make your life so much easier. Well, this is the month to make it happen. You have my permission to close your door, block your calendar, claim the corner of the office, go claim a conference room nobody likes to use and say, for three days, I just need to do this one thing and do it. You will be amazed by how much it makes your life easier come January. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to see you next week. I've got uh, coming up on episode number 100 soon. So I've got my episode map kind of laid out. I'm going to be, I'm going to make 100 a big one. I'm going to make it a big one, but next week, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed. Hope you share. Hope you do a great have a holiday week or whatever. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo. For a podcast known to move the needle for investors, Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.